1: Tiger fans, welcome to the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I'm your host, the Corey C., along with the very special guest, but first things first, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast, Apple users rate and review the show, and everyone go follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. Joining me today is the HCIC head coach in charge, the leader of the Jackson State University Football Tigers, Coach John Hendrick. Welcome to the show, Coach.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, I've been looking forward to getting on with you, and I
1: appreciate
2: you uh, having this set up.
1: All right. we're, We're excited to have you. Hopefully it's the first of many appearances. No doubt. No doubt. All right, well, first off, congratulations on the 2020 signing class. I know you're excited. The fans are definitely excited. I know you guys had a great time at the bar with the signing day event, uh, but but let's not overlook that mid-year class that you brought in back in December. I think it was about six guys, so what are your expectations with, with those guys? Are there any immediate impact players that you see?
2: Well, the reason why we bring them in is to be immediate impact. Uh, our hope is that our evaluation process, has identified the guys that can come in and make an immediate impact in our program, and uh, so the guys is actually it's uh, seven of them. When you count, <clears throat> when you count the receiver Josh Rice, okay. the two defensive linemen Brinkley and uh, Washington. Uh, The offensive lineman that people don't – who was a late signee, uh, Jacob Cunningham, you probably don't have him on your list. Right. He's an offensive lineman out of Inawaba Community College. The kicker, Logan Bowers. The snapper, Branning. uh, Paxton Branning. And um, the linebacker, uh, Terry Joyner.
1: Awesome. And what about, I'm hearing this name, Mikhail Pillow as well. I didn't see him listed, but got a chance to look at some film, and I've heard some great things about him. Can you talk to me a little bit about him, what you expect from him this season?
2: Well, Mikhail Pillow is a dynamic, athletic, defensive end, stand-up, outside linebacker, defensive end type guy. Uh, he was a guy that we offered a scholarship early in the period, but he he had gotten into some legal problems, and, uh, and, and when it hit, We dropped him off, and everybody else dropped him also. And uh, he has since the charges have since been dropped. Uh, He's been out of it, and so he called, asked could he walk on, and obviously we, after getting permission, we said yes, and he's walked on, and we have him in the program. So he's like the eighth guy, but he is a guy that we offered a scholarship to, and we expected to have an immediate impact from him on our defensive front.
1: Well, that's very exciting. Again, I've heard some great things about him. I heard he's a student of the game first and foremost, and I hear he's a humble kid. So I'm personally looking to looking forward to seeing him on the field, and all the rest of the fans are as well. Well, I'm happy to have him here because uh, you know we had, a, in, in my opinion, we, after we lost uh,
2: Barnett last year early in the year, we we had a deficiency having that one guy or having a, a second guy who could make an impact one on one in the passing game uh, with, with, with with pressure on the quarterback and our pillow brings that to the table for us. And along with also Terry Joyner, who we signed out of um, Northeast community college, he's a linebacker, but he plays that rush position for us, which is a guy that ends up being our fourth rusher a majority of the time.
1: <clears throat> awesome. And speaking of Barnett, uh, how is he? Are we expecting to have him back or is he out of eligibility?
2: He has another year we've applied for it. I believe we're going to get it. He's still in the boot as in a, uh, Completely, But he's working out every day. He's with the team. He doesn't miss a workout. He's doing everything he can do while he's still in that boot. But, the, you know, he had surgery on that leg. And, uh, we, you know, we're hoping that he'll be ready for camp, obviously. I don't believe he'll be ready completely for spring ball. But, camp, I'm looking forward to uh, having him back in the linebacker court.
1: Awesome, awesome, and coach. Back to the uh, spring signing class. You brought in about nine high schoolers. I have a, a four defensive backs, four offensive linemen, and a wide receiver. So, tell me your thoughts on the signing class. I thought we. I
2: thought we addressed what we needed to address. Uh, with with that, we when we first started the recruiting process, I identified the needs that we had in recruiting, and the first thing I wanted to do, I wanted to get us a little more athletic on the offensive line, a little longer, increase our length and our range along the offensive line, Uh, add uh, a couple receivers to the mix of guys we already had, Uh, make sure that I addressed the problem of depth along our defensive line. Obviously, we addressed that with Washington and Brinkley in the early signing period, And and then replace the guys uh, in the secondary, that we were going to lose, you know, we lose the corner, we lo- end up losing Thayer, and we end up losing uh, Tyler Rogers and uh, To Noah Alex, and, and another and a couple other guys in the secondary. We wanted to make sure we were able to replace those guys, and we did that. And uh, as always, the, the key that we want to want to happen every time we go out and sign a recruiting class, we want to create a better overall athleticism on our football team. Uh, more speed, more athleticism on the fronts, and uh, more range and size in our secondary and our receivers, and I believe we addressed all those issues with this recruiting
1: class. Now, now Coach, speaking of you know, replacing guys and losing guys, if someone were to ask you at the end of last season, what were your two or three biggest needs going into next season, what would that have been, and do you feel as though you addressed, you addressed that with this signing class? I
2: did. We did. Uh, You know, we we were pretty secure in in skill positions on offense. Uh, We were pretty secure at our quarterback position. And, uh, you know, the offensive line, I I thought we needed to upgrade that, and we really did. We added uh, five guys who I think can all help us, you know, uh, some of the young guys you don't know right now. You're hoping that one or two of them can come in and add some depth and play and compete. Uh we, we we've got a couple guys that we think can be early competition for us, can create early competition for us when they get here in the in the August. And uh we we signed five guys that I really like him, starting with uh Jake Cunningham who was a late signee that was not publicized. But uh, Jacob is a six four, three hundred pound, three hundred five pound offensive lineman out of uh Ittawamba Community College, who we ended up signing from out of Louisville, Mississippi. I originally, I recruited Jacob two years ago, and uh, and he decided he wanted to go to junior college. Uh, but we ended up getting him back, and uh, he adds that more length that we need on the offensive line, along with uh, David ogier Caro, who's a 6'5", 6'6", guy. Uh, and then uh, John Mitchell was also a long, lengthy Athletic offensive linemen. He and I think, add that kind of length. And then uh, Beatty and Caleb Graham, uh, those guys add uh, a bulk inside in the middle for us. That uh, and strength, young strength. You know, those guys are already strong and mature, uh, strength-wise, and and may be able to come in and and get, and grab some minutes for us this fall.
1: Some exciting stuff, Coach. So, uh, t- tell me when you guys are evaluating a, a recruiting class. What are the components that you consider? Because most most of the fans, we can only look at the internet highlight film. And uh, but but what goes on to a coaching staff's assessment of a potential recruit? Because those highlights are just that highlights. So we may be getting excited over you know the, all the great plays, but we don't see the things that you know they aren't doing quite so well out there. Yeah, we what we do as a staff, and I'll go through our process. A little bit for you if we have time. Sure.
2: Uh, what, what I like to do first and foremost is the recruiting coach goes out, and he gathers the information. He watches the kids in his area. The kids he likes, he passes on the position coach. The position coach evaluates the kid at his position on the criteria. Um, uh, some of the criteria are, can he run? Can he change direction? Does he have good eyes? does he have strength what is his flexibility like what is his balance and body control like uh it, does the guy have does he have stamina is the guy does the guy have a motor and um and then obviously on defense can he tackle you know so we that's not all the criteria but that's the basic criteria we look at uh for the guys and then once the defensive position coach evaluates that guy they bring them into the staff room, and everybody on the staff, including me, what looks at every single kid we're going to recruit. We have a recruiting board, and then we'll start. Actually, we'll start this process for next year. We'll start this process for next year, next week. Every Thursday, we have a recruiting meeting. So what we do on that Thursday, uh, the first thing up is going to be probably quarterbacks because we're probably going to sign a quarterback. We, all the quarterbacks that we gathered for the 2021 class, we'll start looking at next week. And then we'll, we'll put them on the board, the guys we like. we put a grade on them, one to five. Five is a guy that is an All-American type guy. Okay. A four is a guy that can be an all-conference type guy. A three is a guy that we recruit, we think can play and start for us. Right. A two is a guy that we invite in as a walk-on, and a one we will not recruit. Got it. So there's a grade. So we don't even watch ones. And then uh, we put them on the board. The position coach ranks them in order. And then we go out in April. And we'll start here in Mississippi, and we will go to every high school in the state of Mississippi in the month of April and May, starting April 15th. Well, actually, starting April 22nd this year. And we'll go out, we'll gather information, we'll bring kids in, and we'll spend three weeks on the road in our recruiting area, starting in the state and then going out and branching out into our other recruiting areas in our recruiting footprint, which runs from Dallas to Atlanta on 20. Uh, which obviously the state of Mississippi first, from Dallas to Atlanta on 20. Then we go across I-10 from Lafayette, Louisiana, into the Panhandle, Florida. And then we go out 80 in Alabama, which takes us through Montgomery, the Black Belt, Montgomery, and down those areas. You'll notice that we've gotten kids from all those areas. And then we'll we'll dabble uh, off shooting Florida and then also with connections. I've been recruiting so long. I've been in so many areas. I've got guys all over the country. They right. constantly call me, send me kids, and we evaluate every single one of them. Once I get them, I pass them on to the assistant uh, from that, from that uh, area, and he evaluates, and we go through the same process. Uh, after we get done in May, we'll start, as soon as we get in office, at the end of May, we'll sit down and we'll take a couple weeks before we get into the camp season, before we get into summer workouts, and we will sit down every day for two weeks and we'll watch video, and we'll just grind. And we'll go position by position, we'll put the grade on them we'll put them on the board and then then start and then um and we'll start writing those kids uh emailing those kids, and then starting September first, the ones that uh, we've identified as our top kids we we begin to call and uh once a week and then obviously in December it, you can call as much as you want and then the uh the visit period start we'll also have a recruiting our first recruiting weekend where we invite kids in officially for visits that we pay for will be our last home game and then we'll have another recruiting weekend in december and that's for those guys who are transfer guys guys for junior college guys then starting in january we bring in the high school guys for visits
1: all right sounds good you're listening to tiger talk with the 1400 club i'm here with coach john hendrick so coach just along those lines when it comes to evaluating those players are there guys that you look at uh, to offer with the idea of red-shirting them, or do you just look at every target as a potential day-one contributor? I, I don't
2: go in with the idea of red-shirting anybody. And uh, we bring them in. We see what they can do. We've been really blessed over the years. We've been able to have some, a good majority of them come to summer school so we're able to teach them offense and the defense starting at the end of May. And by the time we get in August, they've got to feel for the offense, they got to feel for the defense, and the things and, and what we do drill-wise in the program. Because we, by rule, we're allowed to have uh, to actually have practices without a ball with coaches in June. So we have about eight practices uh, where we'll where we'll get out there and we'll teach them the offense and the defense, and we'll teach them our drills, individual drills, and things of that nature. Have a little and stuff like that, and then they. in time with the leadership of the program, take over. And our kids and the program start fitting them in with their own 7-on-7 and their own workouts because there's stuff that our kids do on their own in the summer. So uh, they come in in August when we start. They have a feel for what they're doing. And if they're good enough to play, I'll play them. And I I tell our kids this. If I got a young guy and I got an old guy and they're at the same level, the young guy is going to play more because it's it's your fault that that young guy is at the same level (laughs) as you are. So we're going, you know, we're not going to forsake the older guy, but the younger guy is going to get minutes if he if he's if he has the ability to. Got it. And then with the guys that are going to be redshirt, we're going to use use the rule to advantage, like we did last year. Basically, everybody we signed last year, unless they were injured, played in four games, and then we red them. Almost everybody we signed. Uh, I think we had uh, five, four guys that we weren't able to uh, redshirt. Uh, we weren't able to redshirt Kimani uh, uh, Clark. We weren't able to redshirt um, Tyson Alexander. Right. And uh, we weren't able to redshirt, um, there's one other I'm missing, two other I'm missing. But we weren't able to redshirt four of them. And then the rest of the guys, we played them in four games. And then there was probably a couple guys that were injured that we
1: weren't able to play and get some experience. Got it. Coach, so Jackson State, obviously we have a a very large fan base, a passionate fan base, an opinionated fan base. So, just you know, me kind of getting the pulse of the the fans over the past couple days since the signing class. Some of the fans are a little bit concerned with the, the size of the class. I think a total of about 15 guys. And, and they look at other schools bringing in 25 and 30 guys. So I know there's a you know, mindset behind that, and there's a reason why. So can, can you kind of explain that to the fan base, uh, you know, what, what, what that entails as far as the number of guys that we sign? Well, it comes down to the number of spaces. We didn't graduate a lot of seniors this year, last year.
2: You know, we, we graduated, I think, uh, uh, 12 seniors. So you take twelve guys out of the program, you can't replace them with twenty-five guys because cause now you know the money stretches in. So right. we replaced the guys who left and that's and that's the way you do it. Last year we signed a class, we signed twenty-six guys. But this year with next year we'll have a big class again. But this is one of those years because we had so many guys returning. You you think about this. On defense last year, we lost CJ Anderson mm-hmm. who was a senior. We lost Khalil Johnson. And we lost Tyson Alexander – I mean, not Tyson Alexander, uh, uh, Tyler Rogers and um, uh, Ryan Thayer. We lost four guys, starters on defense, plus a one backup in the secondary. That's five guys. On offense, we lost our starting center. We lost our our, our receiver, Rameek, and our running back, uh, Jordan Johnson. And then uh, maybe a couple other guys, uh, Mac- Maxson, who was a senior, Connor, who was a senior. And so you can't sign more you can't, you got to just replace those guys. You can't sign more than that because of the scholarship limitations in the playoff subdivision. So we, we put the guys in place that we have and uh, that's why our class is so small, but it's a, a class that has quality in it. And, you know, you don't, you don't want to miss on guys. Cause we've, we've had done that around here and uh, we, we hope in this class, everybody is what we think they are. And uh, I believe they are. And so let's line up and go play football with what we got.
1: Okay, well, thank you for clearing that up, Coach. Again, that was a concern of some of the fans, so no one better to, to explain that than the, the man himself. Coach, let's talk a little bit about the importance of the offensive and, and defensive lines. We talk about that a lot on the podcast, and it, it seems to me as the as though the upper echelon teams are usually pretty solid in those areas. So tell me where you think we stand in the trenches.
2: Well, I think we've improved ourselves, you know, I, and I'm a guy that comes from up upper echelon area, and, okay. uh, you know, i am a been coaching the Power Five. I've coached in the, the the other five conference, and I understand that concept, and so my mindset is that we're always going to try to be good up front on defense and good up front on offense. We address that, hopefully, uh, with this recruiting class, the five guys we brought on offense and the two guys we brought on, in on defense, well, actually three when you count pillow, and then we have we have a couple other guys that were on campus already, that uh, were sitting out that no one has seen yet that will add into the mix this year uh, on our defensive line. And uh, so there'll be uh, five or six new faces on the defensive line, and that was a part of our problem last year. A lot of people complained about y'all don't have enough people up front on defense. Well, I've been coaching this defense forever. I was part of creating this defense when we were at Mississippi State in the 1990s, and. We're the number one defense in the country, Planet. And before last year, we were pretty good on defense around here at Jackson State. Right. But uh, we were a little thin up front last year on defense, along with adding um, new faces to it. The one thing about playing defense is that everybody has to have an understanding of where they fit and how they fit and how to run the defense because we're a movement-based defense. And uh, we had some new guys in it. I knew coming out that we were going to have a problem starting it. But at the end of the year, we were a lot better on defense like I knew we would be because those guys learned, how learned what to fit. They learned that they needed to close everything out up front. That includes the defensive linemen, the linebackers, and the DB where he fits. And so, you know, if you look at it, as the season went along, we became better and better and better against the run. The thing that hurt us at the end of the year was the pass game. Right. You know, we gave we up gave some stuff passing that we didn't need to get. And that goes, that goes down to, to pass rushing. And that's the thing that I've tried to address with this class is having guys who can get to the pass or one-on-one. We didn't have the guys that beat guys one-on-one in the pass game. And I believe we got that. We added Pillow to the mix, and we've added a couple other guys that were sitting out that going to come and be added to the mix. Uh, Ray Dell Washington, who we uh, signed in uh, – the early period, we think he's going to be able to help us in that area. And then um, uh, Terry Joyner, the linebacker, outside linebacker, who played rush for us, we believe he's going to also help us in that area. So we added some guys that could beat blocks one-on-one. And uh, that that will bode well for us. And then we're going to make sure we address our problem in the secondary of making sure we keep our eye on the man and not the quarterback.
1: Got it. And, <laughs> so and just... we
2: can play man coverage like we need to.
1: All right. And, and speaking of your, your kind of your history on the defensive side of the ball, it's been reported that you'll be more involved on the, with the defense this year or this upcoming season. Is that true? And if so, what would that level of involvement look like? Would it be you know, more film sessions or more hands-on teaching? teaching? What would that entail?
2: Well, it entail all of it. It entail me being a lot more involved with the, the actual game planning and obviously watching so well, I did that last year, but I, I kind of – Pull myself away and tried to give uh, my coordinator some autonomy, and I did, and he did a really great job. It was a lot of, you know, he, he gets a lot of blame, but I know, unlike most fans don't know, is that it's not all his fault. And, you know, you're going to place the blame on the people you think calling defense, but it's never the cause. It's always the execution of the cause. And, and there were some things that we didn't execute well last year. And uh, so, but I'll be more involved. There'll be some things that we'll go back to doing uh, that when I was the coordinator, we'll do, you know, coverage-wise, uh, blitz-wise, uh, and we'll we'll and I'll be more involved in on
1: grassroots, and then I'll be more involved in the game of calling the defenses. All right. Coach, I know you talked about addressing some of the needs, some of your biggest needs, but uh, going forward, are, are there any specific positions that you're still looking to add to down the line? And uh, would you be looking at kind of a, a best available player approach from here on out with the remaining scholarships, or, or what's your mindset behind that?
2: Well, the well, first thing you've got to look at, you've got to look at your board and what you have and where are there any deficiencies left. I think we've addressed our depth problems. So right now, in my mindset is this, we will take a guy – uh, on the defensive front, and we'll take a guy, a corner uh, down the line who is a guy that has some previous experience, or because there's not a whole lot of guys right now at this stage that were missed. That you know, people think they're great players, but I might not think they're a great player because so I got to think they're a great player when we look at them, when I look at them, regardless what anybody else thinks and our staff, because we all do it together, as I said earlier. We look at every kid together as a staff, and every coach on the staff puts his mark on every single player that we recruit, whether it's offensive, defense, defensive guys, see offensive guys, offensive guys, watch defensive guys. We comment, we talk about everybody, and we decide together who we like. And that's who becomes our number one guy and our top choices on our board. So uh, we, we'll we we'll take a guy on defense, a defensive front guy, or a guy in the secondary, corner, preferably. Uh, I'm a, I like to – Play man coverage a good bit, and so I want all those guys back there to be able to play man coverage. And so you know you've got to have guys who can cover guys and play safety, who can cover guys in slot. And we have guys on the team right now who can do that, but you can't. You never can have enough of those guys because uh, you know when teams start playing tempo football and moving fast, you you get guys tired out. So and that was a part of what happened to us last year. We didn't have enough guys up front. And so, like I said, we bolstered our depth this year. And uh, in previous years, we were playing nine, ten guys up front. Last year, we were playing five or six. Actually, really five. And so, we got a little fatigued. Uh, This year, we'll go back. We'll be able to play those nine, ten guys again because we have them here on the yard already. And uh, actually, they're getting ready right now through the weight
1: program and the conditioning program. You're listening to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Again, I'm here with Coach John Hendrick, head football coach of Jack State University. So, Coach, I know you're able to go in there for that early uh, signing period and, and get some junior college transfers. What would you say your relationship is like with uh, just the ju- junior college community within the state, considering that there's usually three to five nationally ranked teams just uh, within the state?
2: Well, it's, I've got a good relationship, number one. I've coached in this state so long, you know. I spent eight years at Mississippi State, and then now and this is my fifth year here overall, at Jackson State. You know, I've got guys that I've coached who are in the junior college ranks. I've got guys who I coach who are head coaches in the junior college ranks. Play for me in my position. So we've got a, we've got a good relationship. You know, I've got guys in the junior college ranks that I've worked with, who have worked alongside of me at Mississippi State, and uh, who are head coaches. So I've got good relationships with those guys and good rapport. And, uh, you know, I I think we do a good job of evaluating who we want out in the state of Mississippi in the junior college ranks. And we usually go out and we've been fortunate enough to get uh, a good, you know, we don't get them all because you've got to compete, but we've gotten a portion of guys that we we thought we needed to help our program.
1: Now, Coach, we've seen a lot of, well, I won't say a lot. We've seen some JSU commits flip to junior colleges in, in recent years, and we've also had Signees enroll on campus and sometimes they've played a full year at Jackson State and then they still leave and go to a junior college. So do you you and your staff put any provisions in place to curtail that, or do you just chalk it up to you know one of those things that you have to deal with as being an FCS program?
2: Well, no, I, I don't chalk it up to that I chalk it up to this. The first thing people do, the reason why the junior colleges are able to poach our kids is because of way our facility looks right now. We get ready to get some new stuff, and that'll be ended as soon as that happens and then they sell them a dream. The junior colleges sell kids a dream. They're, they'll do things like this. If you come over here, when you, when you get done in two years, LSU or whoever it is, they, they might have a friend who's at Georgia or at Tennessee or at LSU who don't have call the kid and tell them, hey, look, man, I'm going to recruit you when you get done with, no, with, with have, having no intention of coming and recruit those kids. They're just doing a favor for their boy. The kids buy into a dream. We had a kid lead that played for us and started six games for us last year, and he left at midterm because he believes he started here as a freshman in some games, so he's going to go, and he's going to go up. And the problem is, if you really look at the junior college ranks, usually one guy at one place may go to the Power Five. Those other guys are usually signing with FCS schools, HBCUs and other FCS schools, but they sell them a dream. And, and, and kids – you know, I, I understand that. They want to they play. They see the glitz and the glamour, and they want to play at that level. And I don't begrudge them that. But what but what happens is they they buy into a dream that's not really fit. And I tell them straight up, I said, you know, you're going to leave here. You, you're going to go there, and you think you're going to hear the same people that are recruiting you now are going to be the same people recruiting you in two years. And you know what? Not, now, there have been some guys that have gone that I didn't want to go, that have gone on, like we we recruited, we had uh, three kids visit. One went to Ole Miss, another one went to Mississippi State, and another one went to another school out of state. I knew those three kids were going to go up. So I was trying to get them here. They were smart because they wanted to do that. They decided to go on, and they had the ability to go on. But by and large, most of these kids are going to come back, want to come back here to us, you know, like, Uh, Terry Joyner is an example of that guy. He was a guy that wanted to go up, so he decided to go. Uh, Jacob Cunningham is another guy that we just signed. We recruited him two years ago, but they had that dream. And I don't begrudge them that, but they're back in the program. I was personally recruiting those two kids years ago when I was the defensive coordinator. Now we get them back on the back end, and what i told them, they said, Coach, you were right. You told us when we when you recruit us what was going to happen. You know I'm I'm going to be straight up honest to them. I'm not trying to kill their dreams, but I'm going to give them truth. And you uh, know that sometimes the truth is hard. So uh, you know we we, uh, we we deal with that. But we, we're upgrading our facility as we talk, speak. And uh, that junior college thing that has been affecting us, I believe, will affect us a whole lot less once our facilities get on, get our up to par.
1: Well that's awesome coach. I know the fans will be very happy to to you know to hear that and you know, I've seen it and you know just in the past couple of years we've had players on campus and they left for junior colleges and they ended up at Mississippi Valley and nothing against Mississippi Valley but hey they ended up at Mississippi Valley after junior college and well, you know Mississippi what? College ended up
2: Mississippi and... Valley cuz I, won't, I I won't take them back. If they come here and they leave I'm not taking them back.
1: Got it. I'm right. just
2: not I I'm not I, I'm not going to tell you what I say but uh, <laughs> I'm just not taking them back. I'm not I, I'm just not. You know, I, I just, they came here, they came here, they signed, they played for us, they left. They can go, I'll play against them. Because them leaving and come here to me goes to their character, and I'll play with a character kid against a kid who I don't feel has much character any day of the week.
1: Well, there you have it. Enough said. All right, Coach. So I know over there during the offseason we've had a little bit of uh, staff uh, reshuffling or reassigning. reassigning. Uh, how do you feel <clears throat> about that? Are you all done with, with the staff? Are you going to make any more additions?
2: I already have. I've, I've uh, hired yesterday a young man named Eric Gallen, um from a Brevard College. Eric is a guy that's been at Youngstown State, uh, been at uh, Tennessee State, and uh, I've known Eric since he was a player in college, uh, coached Eric at uh, Kansas State. And uh, he's, uh, he's a guy that, that fits into our chemistry. We had some guys in and the main thing I'm concerned about when, we, when we're when we looking at coaches is chemistry. Guys who have my heart, who can fit in with us, and I told our coaches the reason why I do it the way I do it is I've got to make a decision based on do they fit our kids, do they fit our coaching staff, and do they fit me. And so I, I've got to make my decision based on that because chemistry, you can bring a bad apple in and you can destroy the whole operation. And so I make sure that we have chemistry, and I, and, and through the interview process, everybody on my staff interviews them. Uh, the people that come in, I sit them in a meeting room with my offensive and defensive guys, and they have, in whatever position it is, they have to teach my guys on this staff like they were freshmen in college, how they're going to coach them. And then I'll have several guys take them out to lunch, and, you know, you can learn a lot about a man eating breaking bread with him. Right. And uh, so so I have, uh, you know, three or four guys have lunch with them, and then we come, they come back. We meet on all the candidates, and I tell the guys, you know, and it's a blind vote because I don't care who votes for who, and I say, who do you like? And they write their name on the paper, and I take it, and then I take it. And, you know, obviously I'm a praying man, so I pray about it, and uh, I take what I think about it, and then I make a choice of who becomes an assistant here on our in our program. And I, I think it's worked out. We got a lot of great chemistry on the staff. We got a lot of we've got men who are good husbands and good fathers, men who love kids and men who are smart football coaches, contrary to what anybody else says. I right. mean I, I don't worry too much about people. What people say to me, they can holler and scream at me, they can call me dumb and stupid. I know I'm not. <laughs> so, you know, we uh we 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 take all that stuff. And it just rolls off our back, and we go about building this program, and we're building a program that the Jackson State faithful are going to be proud of. It's going to be a program that's going to win football games, that's going to graduate young men, that's going to be good in the community, guys are going to be prosperous and be guys who are successful when they leave here, and we're going to win football games with the guys we have in this program. And uh, the things that we're putting in place – will not only bless Jackson state, but it's going to bless the communities these men come from because uh, they're going to be outstanding in their own communities.
1: All right. And, and coach, I know next coming up, we have spring, our uh, spring practice. So uh, that starts March 17th, if I'm not mistaken. So how excited yes, are you about that?
2: Man, I can't wait to get to practice. You know, all this other stuff, you know, out there is my haven. I, I, I that's, um, the, the highlight of my day every day is to be able to get on that practice field and to be able to teach ball and to be able to watch these young men and these guys go get after it practice wise and to watch the coaches coach and obviously also myself jump in and coach some myself and uh, it just uh, it's a joy to me to be able to do it and I'm thankful that I've been able to do it all these years that I've been doing it and uh, I just I can't wait man I'm like a kid I'm like a kid waiting
1: for Christmas presents. <laughs> So, hey, dealing with that. We are too, and one of the things that we we are always excited about it as as fans, uh, just going into spring is just those names that we didn't know about from from last season. So we we know about the Keontae Hamptons and the Keyshawn Harpers, but are there any names that are standing out as guys that fans aren't familiar with uh, from last season that we can expect to hear a lot from? Maybe they're working real hard in the in the weight room right now. Well, this is this is, in my opinion. This is the best we've been in
2: terms of a football team of buying into the culture that we've been trying to set here over the past few years. Uh, These guys are really working at a high level. Uh, You know, you'll see, uh, you look at the running back core, you know, you've got a glimpse of Kamani Clark and Tyson Alexander last year. Uh, you saw Josh Little. You didn't see him as a running back much, but you saw him in the return game. And I'm hoping to be able to get him a carrier, too, this year because he's a dynamic guy. He's the kid that returned two kickoffs and touchdowns last year for us. Uh, and the receivers, you know, we're adding Dalen Baldwin to the mix. You'll see Josh Rice. You guys haven't seen uh, Kend- Kendare Fiesel. You guys haven't seen Brandon Sanders. You haven't seen Christian Allen. I'm anxious to see those guys. And what they do in the spring, and then the the offensive linemen as they come to work. You know, Kyle and Rich, you saw him last year, but I'm anxious to see the uh, Dwayne du, Stevens and uh, Robert Washington. Is some this, um, this uh, spring at the tight end position, and then defensively, you know, those young guys we had up front, Amari not Amari, but um, uh, Jamani Crane and uh, and some of the other young guys up front. Uh, the young linebacker, uh, uh, Hudson and. And Jaquel Honer, who we signed last year, uh, along with watching the development of Khalil Arrington, who started five games for us as a freshman last year, and then watch the development again, you know, to see the junior college guys uh have an opportunity to watch uh Washington and um and uh Keyshawn up front and Keyshawn Brinkley up front, along with watching see what Trey, I mean Terry Joyner does. I mean, all those guys that are new along with some of the younger guys last year that we redshirted, I'm anxious to see uh, them take the next step towards being guys that are heavy contributors on our football team.
1: Well, Coach, we're very excited. We can't wait. Uh, and Season tickets are on sale now. Coach, uh, well, A.D. Robinson wants 30,000 season tickets sold. So how, how important is that to the players, for the fans to show up in droves like that, just showing their support? Well, it's it's
2: important to us. You know, when you're playing out there in the arena and your fans, you know, whether it's, you know, you're down by seven or you're up by seven or you need a big stop, for them to be frenetic and loud gives you a little shot in the arm. You know, we, we've got to become a place that when people come in here to play us, that we're so loud that they can't get a snap off. And, and we got, and it just can't be the band. You know, I mean, the band is one thing, but, you know, they they limit whether the band can play or not. So we got to have our fans loud and obnoxious and rowdy during the football games. That helps football players on the field. It helps basketball players on the basketball court to have a fans. It gives you a, another little shot in the arm to have uh, that. And when you put all those butts on the seat in the stadium, it, it's a wonderful thing to come out in the pregame to see that and see that people appreciate what you're trying to do and
1: appreciate uh what you're putting out on the field. All right. Well, there you have it, Tiger fans. Let's show your support. Let, let's uh, get those season tickets and let's show up and let's root those Tigers on. Again, we're looking for a, a big season next season, and we're going to be there to support you all the way, Coach. I want to thank you. I can't thank you enough for, for being on the show, but before I let you go, I have to wish you a happy related birthday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Monday was my birthday. All right. Well, I turned 29 again. Th- there you go. 29. <laughs> uh, sounds about right. Uh, I'm not going to sing happy birthday to you on the podcast. I'll just say happy birthday. And and last well, but not I least. It. Thank you very much. Oh, no problem. And last but not least, uh, congratulations are in order. Uh, you were. Uh, recognized with the first 2020 Man Up, Man of the Month Award. That's uh, Military Athletes Nationally United for Progress. So congratulations on, on that. And can you just kind of speak on that? What does that mean to you? What What does that entail?
2: Man, anytime you get an honor like that from a group that that is military and they recognize the things that you've been doing, it's really humbling. And uh, to have an opportunity to be named that, it was really surprising to me when it came out and I saw that, Uh, I just said, wow, man, that's absolutely awesome. And I'm thankful that someone thinks enough of what we're doing in the community and what we're doing with young people to honor us like that. Again, it's a very humbling award, and I, I appreciate having it.
1: Well, congratulations. We're, we're, as fans, I, I can tell you we're very proud to have you leading our guys. So uh, congratulations. And, again, thank you for, for being on the show. Hopefully we can get you back. I know you're busy man. We want you to focus on what you need to focus on. But if you ever have a spare minute, come join us. Hopefully we can get you after spring practice just to kind of give us a recap and, and let us know what we can look forward to going forward. Well,
2: I'll tell you, you're Jackson State people. All you guys got to do is call Dennis and say, Coach, I want you, and I'll
1: make time for you. All right. Will do. Sounds like a plan. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple users rate and review the show. And everyone follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook. Leave a comment or a question while you're at it, and we'll be sure to read it on air. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show and tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. And we'll also be posting every episode on our Facebook page. So as always, thank you for support, for your support. And on that note, Go Tigers!